You're listening to the Sunday Session Podcast with Francesca Rudkin from Newstalk ZB. Right, now, as I mentioned before the news, I haven't been one to embrace fermenting or preserving, but it's something I've always wanted to do. And now I have found my inspiration in market gardeners Neva and Yotam Kay. Neva and Yotam own a 215-acre farm in the Coromandel and grow around 8,500 kilograms of produce a year. And they've released a new book. It's called The Abundant Kitchen. And it's a fantastic guide for anyone wanting to preserve, pickle or ferment. Neva and Yotam Yotam are with me now. Good morning. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Great to be here. Lovely to have you with us. Hey, look, before we get to the kitchen side of things, uh, Neva, maybe when you arrived from Israel, how did you get into gardening and farming in the Coromandel? Uh, we were already gardening from before we came to New Zealand. So um, really it's more like... Uh, yeah, it's just been our journey finding, finding, being in different places and different farms. And uh, one of the farms we ended up here is here. And then we stayed. Did you fall in <laughs> love with the Coromandel like everybody we, else? We very much did. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. And we had family here in New Zealand. Time. Yeah. And also in Thames. When and, we and in Thames, you're right. Yeah. And in Coromandel Town as well. Oh, wonderful. Yotam, what is the difference between, and the book is fantastic at explaining all this, but what is the difference between pickling and preserving and fermenting and all these different processes? Awesome. So I'll start and maybe Neva can correct me there. But um, I, so preserving is usually involving um, heat or drying, basically decreasing microbial activity to preserve the food. Um, could also be freezing, but we don't focus on that on the book. Um, so things like people are familiar with canning. Um, pickling is using acetic bacteria and vinegar and then um, preserving the food that way. Um, with fermentation, there's a lot of different types of fermentation. So we can use fermentation uh, using bacteria, using yeast, using mold. And we ha- we do things like lacto-fermentation, which is um, using uh, lactobacillus bacteria to preserve and make the food more nourishing. We use um, yeast in sourdough, bacteria and yeast in sourdough. We use yeast in winemaking, in mead, um, honey wine. Um, Neva, do you want to add anything onto that? Or, or, uh, or contradict something I've said. <laughs> um, yeah, so pickling uses the acidity of vinegar to create the, to make the food food safe, whereas fermentation allows microorganisms and it comes uh, highlighted lactic acid bacteria, acetic acid bacteria, or yeast uh, often are the ones we'd use to transform the food. And while they do that, they also um, either break down things or um, in the case of lactic acid bacteria and acetic acid bacteria, they will also use acidity to also preserve the food. Neither f- fermenting really seems to have had a bit of a resurgence. I don't know whether that's because we're understanding the benefits of it for our gut, uh, but it's becoming very popular now, isn't it? And yet we've been doing it for, gosh, how long? Thousands of years? Forever. As soon as we started eating, we were already fermenting or, or finding fermented foods also like fermented fruit and stuff like that. So as, as always, fermentation has been part of uh, human culture. And I think um, there are some specific people like, that are kind of known for having uh, really led the resurgence of contemporary fermentation, people like Sandra Alex Katz. But I think, yes, I think that with the science, with understanding the actions of microorganisms, um, 
the ability to do it safely, I think, also really helps people knowing how that it can be safe, that it's not something that, you know, people did long ago and we don't really know how they did it and if we can do it again. Um, so with the science and, and understanding around all of that, um, yeah, there's definitely a resurgence there. It does seem a little daunting if you're sort of launching yourself into the world of pickling and preserving and fermenting to begin with. But can anyone do it? Anyone can do it. And if you start with something simple, something like vegetables in brine, something that I love introducing people to do, because all you need to do, uh, first of all, yes, you need everything to be clean. But clean just means washed with warm water and soap for, for the purpose of lactic acid fermentation. So make everything clean. Then you put your clean vegetables in a jar, make a brine that's made, you know, with um, a teaspoon of salt for every cup of water. And and as long as you can keep your vegetables under the brine, usually using a weight, that's it. You know, you wait a bit and you did it. It's it's so easy. And so in the book, we really try to uh, provide really, really easy stuff for people who are just starting out a lot of, of background and information to understand why we do it the way we do it. Um, and then if you are already a fermenter and you've got, or if you, you get into it and you start being really excited as, as we were when we st- first started fermenting, then there's things that are a little bit more, um, a little more complex variations and, and things you can sort of um, delve into, like, yeah, like Yutam mentioned, uh, growing koji mold, for example, and, and stuff like that. And we don't do everything all the time. We kind of capture garden abundance or abundance we can capture at the farmer's market. And then we make a big batch and then we can just enjoy it for weeks, months, even years sometimes. And then that's how we have like a hundred different type of things going yeah, on at we, the same time. We don't time. keep a hundred different kinds of recipes happening in the house. <laughs> One go. Given, no. <laughs> I love the line in the book. It says, remember, count your successes, not your failures. Which... 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so so obviously, at times, there can be a little bit of experimenting going on. Things can go well or not quite so well. Absolutely. Always. That's, that's life. And, and, and that's the thing with fermentation. You're working with often wild microorganisms. And so, yeah, I mean, you're relying on them thinking, oh, yeah, that jar of radishes really does look good for us to colonize and, uh, you know, um, <laughs> There's always going to be a little bit of variation there, but that's part of the magic, right? And you never you say sometimes uh, that fermentation is like gardening in the kitchen. Yeah. And part of what we're trying to introduce people is that you can just do all these really exciting, simple stuff and expand your culinary uh, repertoire and enjoy these nourishing tastes and pres- and preserve and make little waste. So it is really um, what we think is is it's it's a really um, a regular part in our kitchen, and we think that anybody who likes cooking at home can really enjoy mm-hmm. um, some of these recipes and find the best things that they like. So we're heading yeah. we're heading into summer. Uh, what are some of your favorite sort of fruit and vegetables to work with in the season? Um. We grow a lot of onions. We grow a lot of vegetables specifically <laughs> to ferment and pickle, yeah. uh, as well as eat fresh. Uh, and, so we make, yeah, yeah um, I mean, chili sauce is obvious. Absolutely, one. Yeah. with coriander, so schools. Yeah, we make but... lots of summer preserved vegetables, so things like onions and tomatoes and capsicums and chilies and eggplants and tomatillos all kind of together. Hmm. Uh, we make the pickles. We make a lot of Middle Eastern type pickles. Um, we harvest all kinds of fruit and herbs and flowers and make honey wine with them. 
Yeah, so now in, in this specific moment, we have a lot of roses, Damascus roses, which are really delicious and, and floral, and a lot of elderflower. So just been like, I think, spent a whole week just making a whole lot of different things that are rose and elderflower based. Uh, but that's, you know, and that's the, the nice thing about it. It feels a little bit overwhelming at the moment, but I know that in a month, none of those things will be available. Um, but I'll have, I'll have them here. I'll have them to use for the rest of the year. So some things that you've used with the roses, you've dried them, you've infused them in vodka, you've made soap, we've made honey. Rose honey. Rose honey. You've made mead. <laughs> yeah. I've made kombucha. You've made sauerkraut with roses. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to just be eating and smelling like roses for, for, for months. It's wonderful. Hey, I was, also re- I was also really interested because there's a chapter on miso, which, yeah. which we've always sort of, you know, associated you might pick up your your sushi and get a bit of miso but it, it, what you can do with it is so much broader it's that too is yeah. sort of having a bit of a um a, a fashionable moment yes absolutely and um and it's it's really fun because uh with once you kind of get the idea of how to grow koji which is the actual um mold that you use to to make miso um, it it actually is like like many other of the mi- microorganisms work. It's actually quite a generalist, and you can grow it on different grains, different legumes, and even on vegetables, and make these really um, fabulous koji cured vegetables. So um, it's really a great way to reduce actually waste in the kitchen, and you can use stale bread and turn it into miso. It's it's phenomenal. It's really amazing. And that's one of the reasons that you should, you know, if, if you're at all interested in, in any of this, you should launch into it. There's two reasons from what I can tell. One is that it is an amazing way to make sure there's no waste and to use use everything out of your own veggie garden and things like that. But the second thing is you're just able to add these amazing tastes to your meals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and also there are health benefits for many of them. And it's cost well. effective. Yeah, the third yeah because one. Fourth if you take one, one we cabbage, go. you know, one cabbage would make a whole liter of sauerkraut. That's like fifteen dollars worth of. And anything like that is is uh, anything of these recipes in the book is something that you can make and then make add so much value to it. And I also just wanted to talk about those recipes in the book because they come from your own backgrounds, your family histories. Can you tell me just a little bit about that influence? Um, so. Th- there is there is a, a big variety of recipes in the book, but there are some recipes that are especially, um, yeah, really really special for us because they do come from our grandma's kitchen, um, or are influenced by those flavors, those practices, those, um, yeah, styles of of fermenting and preserving. And I think it was um, for us, it was really. It was quite unique to be able to to put that part of, of who we are into a book. I think there's not a lot of that when we're, when we're gardening, when we're teaching gardening. Um, it's great and it, it is who we are, but there isn't so much a reference to being uh, Iraqian or Yemeni or, you know, those sort of really special heritages and flavors that are maybe not well known in New Zealand, but are uh, really special for us. And yeah. Yeah, and 
I would say some of these recipes are kubane, which um, is something that's traditional from the Yemeni culture. You've got schug, you've got dill pickles from your grandma. For my grandma, we've actually, um, my grandma who's 93, we've actually got um, recipes from her that her mother used to make to her as a young child when she wanted to fatten her up. <laughs> and we've included those <laughs> in the book. And and that was just, um, yeah, such a great way to, to um to connect with that culture as well as um as well as uh, things that we loved having as a child a child children and all kinds of things like that Yotam and Neva K thank you so much for your time today and thank you for the book it's absolutely beautiful Thank you thank so you much, so much. it was such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much And the abundant kitchen is in stores now for more from the Sunday session with Francesca Rudkin, listen live to News Talk ZB from 9 a.m. Sunday or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.